The following is a sermon from Pastor David Salinas of Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. At a funeral of a man named Clarence, a pastor stood firmly in the pulpit, feet planted. And from there, he stood the mourners firmly on Easter victory. And he preached to them from John 14. And he said, booming with a conviction, with the power that comes from conviction, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. My dear loved ones of Clarence, Clarence is right now at home in the mansions of the Lord. And from there, the pastor's feet got moving. And he came down from the pulpit, and he got right next to the casket that was in front of the church, and it was an open casket funeral and he started to preach to the corpse. Clarence, he said, Clarence, you left us much too soon. There were so many things we should have said to you, Clarence, but you got away from us. But, but it's okay, because you're in the warm embrace of Jesus. And we could envy him. And he said, well, Clarence, it. There's nothing more to say. I guess when there's nothing more to say, there's just one thing left to say. Good night. And he got low and he whispered into the ear, good night, Clarence. And then the pastor grabbed the lid of the casket and he slammed it shut. Boom! just as everybody's eyes were too, the pastor lifted up his head, and with a bright smile, he grabbed the shroud of gloom that had been cast over that church, and he ripped it off, and he said, Clarence, I say to you good night, because I know that Jesus is going to give you a good morning, and that was the cue. At that moment, the choir jumped up on its feet, and with all of the boisterousness that comes from the life of Easter, they sang out that African spiritual, oh, when that morning comes, we shall rise, we shall rise. And then everyone's feet got moving, and they gathered in the aisle, and they laughed, and they danced in the face of death. Can Easter really mean that much? Can Easter really give us that rousing, that moving, that powerful and total of a victory over the enemy that, when all is said and done, is the one that causes us greatest fear and sadness in our life yet? Can Easter really fill our hearts with the joie de vivre, the joy of living in Christ Jesus our Lord, so that, so that even death doesn't sting like it should, 
and we can and we can live and smile and dance beneath the light of life with a capital L, him who is life, and dance in the face of death. Can that really happen? That's what these six weeks of Easter, of our gathering around the great resurrection chapter of 1 Corinthians 15 have all been about. And my dear brothers and sisters, this is my, this is my desire, my prayer, my mission this morning. I want to take us back to the grand finale of the great resurrection chapter, and I want us all to experience a victory over death. I want us dancing on death's grave. You ready? Join me. Open up your worship folders one more time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you, and then don't let those feet stop moving. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Where, O oh Christian? your victory. Where, O oh Easter believer, is your vitality? Do you hear death bragging that? Do you hear death taunting that? That is his boast every single time he claims somebody from among us. There is not a single person in this room who will escape the throes of death. Every single baby born in this world is already born underneath the shadow of that shroud that is hovering above and just waiting to swoop down like a buzzard and scoop up and gulp up the life. Just like the seaweed that coiled around Jonah's neck as he sank into the heart of the sea, the shroud of death that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers over all nations, as Isaiah describes it in that great chapter 25 of his book, is the sheet that will wrap itself up around the dust into which God breathed the breath of life and squeeze out every last breath out of every last human being. The grim reaper may be all skin and bones, but you know that his appetite is insatiable, and he never gets enough. 
He never has enough of our flesh and blood, and he will not be denied. And we are going to die. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem to me like a cause for dancing or a cause for gladness. Where, where is your victory, O oh Christian? Where is your vitality, believer in Easter? You know, sometimes that taunt from death, ironically, I mean, in kind of this sad, surprising plot twist of life, takes on, takes on life and is really in our face during the Easter season, because this is the time when we're preaching life. This is the time when we're talking about resurrection. This is the time when we're talking about the conquest of death. But when death swoops in and he starts claiming brothers and sisters from among us, that taunt seems to have real life and real teeth to it. This Easter season for us here at this church has been one where death's taunt seems to be just right up in our face. Since the, the new year, since 2019, one sister lost, and sister in Christ here lost her dad. Another sister in Christ and another brother in Christ, each one of them lost their moms. A grandma and an aunt lost their loved one, tragically. In a period of about three months, from January through March, one sister in Christ here lost eight dear friends and colleagues, and most recently, another sister in Christ just lost her uncle. Where is your victory, O Christian? Where indeed? This taunt from death, in a real way, it has teeth. It's not just this vain boast, this empty boast. Death hurts. Mortality stings. The sting of death, it's not like the little proboscis from the mosquito that pokes you and you don't even feel that it's poking you and sucking your blood. The sting of death is not even like the needle prick of the syringe that's packed with morphine that humanely puts a pet to sleep. The sting of death is like this sharp, thorn-tipped, tail of the deadly scorpion, or like the sharp fangs of the black mamba that cause searing, cramping pain and that just double you over. I will never forget when a dear man whom I loved very much, he, he was a member of my first congregation, he, he was being eaten away by cancer, and in a moment of just honesty, he told me, Pastor, I didn't think death would be such hard work. I didn't think it would be so hard to die. I didn't think it would hurt this much. Where is your victory? Why does death sting so much? Why does it hurt so much? Because of what Paul says here in verse 50, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And why can they not inherit the kingdom of God? Because the kingdom of God is it's the home of the innocent. It's the abode of the holy. It is the paradise for the pure in heart, for only they shall see God. But in verse 56 of our lesson, we, very, we see very clearly here that death is not this part of God's creation that God looked down upon and, and saw that it was good. 
saw that it was pure, saw that it was innocent, saw that it was holy. Death is a consequence on the disobedience of the crown of God's creation, you and me, and, and that which God looks upon and he calls sin, that which is unholy, that which is guilty. Where is your victory? Where is your vitality? Death swoops in already now, the shroud, and it looks at each one of us and it says, you are perishable. Your body is perishable. Like milk that's already two weeks past its expiration date, your body is already going bad. And you are going to be sown into the ground in dishonor. No matter what a great gal or guy you were in life or what great things you accomplished, your body is going to end up an embarrassment. For dust you are and to dust you shall return. And there is not an embalmer skilled enough to change that. Where is your victory? Where your vitality? Oh, believer in Jesus. There lived a man in the 1600s who has an answer for death's time. And he would like to take death out back to the woodshed, and he has something for death. His name was John Donne, and he was a pastor in London, and he was surrounded by death, I mean, on every single side. And he saw three waves of the Black Plague swoop in and just devour swatches of people, I mean, by the thousands, like a giant whale swallowing krill. And just when he thought that the shroud of death was about to cover him and envelop him, just when Dunn thought he was done, he turned to this chapter in 1 Corinthians and to these words here of the Apostle Paul, and he drew strength, he drew life. And, and this is the message, this is the retort to that taunt from death that Dunn had. And allow me to paraphrase. This is, what, this is what Dunn said. He says, death, don't brag. Don't you brag. Oh, some might call you mighty, and some might call you dreadful, but you're nothing. Those you think you overthrow, they don't die. And you can't kill me, death, because after just a brief, short, 20-minute power nap, we will all wake up eternally. And then death, you will be no more. And then death, you will die. And so Dunn read these words, and he, and he found this strength. He, he found it in himself to believe that death's insatiable jaws were not inescapable. He believed that death could be denied, that it would be denied, that we can defy death even now and rip off the shroud of gloom that covers over the nations and join together and the glorious taunt and praise of God that every believer in Christ will belt out full voice when the last trumpet blasts on the last day. No death, where is your victory? No death, where is your sting? And what gave done? What gives you and me the chutzpah, the, the confidence, the boldness to shout that in the face of death? And what gives our taunt teeth? What makes our words not just a bunch of hot air but real real victory. What puts the sling, the stone in our sling so that we can fell that giant that taunts us day in and day out? It's a shroud. A shroud that enfolds death. A sheet that covers the grim reaper like, a coroner's, like the coroner's office covers a body on a gurney. And what is that shroud? What is that sheet 
that suffocates death. It is this. It is the heavy glory of Jesus to save sinners. Jesus' saving glory is the sheet that enfolds death. Jesus' saving glory is Jaws. It's the great white shark that swallows death whole and shreds the shroud in its teeth and gulps it down and away from us forever. Do you see that glorious sheet for you here? It's done sought. And I want, I want you to see it here. And it's, it's interesting. It's so fascinating because it's all this heavy glory is contained in this one beautiful little word in Greek that is translated in English. And this is how it sounds in English, die. But it's not D-I-E, it's D-E-I. So die is the death of death. Die, D-E-I, is the word that in verse 53, look at, it, uh, look at that with me for a moment, please, here. Verse 53 is the word that is translated must when it says the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. So the question is, why must it? Why must the perishable clothe itself in, uh, into the imperishable, with the imperishable? Because the kingdom of God is too glorious for these eyes. The, the, the beauty in the kingdom, the glorious kingdom of God, is too bright for these eyes. The, the, the sumptuous feasts in the kingdom of God are too great and grand for these taste buds. The melodious hymns in the kingdom of God are too glorious for these ears. And the stones and the leaves and the friends and the Savior himself are too glorious for the touch. And so we must be changed to have bodies and souls fit for that glory. But then my question is this, why must that be our destiny? Why, why must it be that you must rise from the dead and go to heaven? Why do you, in a sense, have to go to heaven? Because God says, I just have to have you. Because Jesus loves you that much. And already with that love, that grace, saving grace of God, all the way from before he even made the world, God determined to step into our feet and to die our death. And on Calvary, he was stung. He was stung badly with our death. And there on the cross, his holy veins were pumped full of the venom and virus of our sin. But here's the thing. The antibodies of his holy blood destroyed the virus of our sin. And when that happened, it's as Luther he took the crown and ripped it off death's pale brow forever. And we will live. And we are alive. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where is your sting? Tell me. My dear people, the day is surely coming when we will walk down the aisle, that beautiful bride decked out in the glory that you saw in that first lesson from John in Revelation. The day is surely coming when we will take upon our lips the very same message that the prophet Isaiah says we will in chapter 25. Surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. And you know what? We will be changed into the glory of our dear Savior Jesus through his great victory because of that victory that is coming for each and every one of us in the future. That means we can have a real victory over death now because what it means 
is that our present dying has been essentially changed for us who believe in the Lord Jesus. Remember that, remember that old animated uh, car cartoon, that animated uh, show, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? I mean, raise your hand if you remember that. So remember there was Cornelius, right? Cornelius, the, right, the elf, right? That, you know, the dentist elf. And then there was, there was Yukon the Prospector. And then Cornelius, that, there was the Bumble, that big, great, you know, uh, abominable snowman. And Cornelius, with those pliers, he, he defangs the Bumble, right? And he takes off all of the Bumble's teeth. And then Yukon uses him as a, like a bouncy ball and turns this fearsome monster into a humble servant. The Lord Jesus, by his victory, thanks be to him, he has done exactly that for you and for me. He has defanged death. He has turned our death and our dying from a fearsome monster into a humble servant. Our death is no longer a punishment for sin. It is now a portal to eternal life. Our death and our dying, it is no longer this big, thick, suffocating tarp that sucks the life out of us. It's a weighted blanket that gives our bodies peaceful rest in the grave until Jesus calls our name. Do you know that, our, that Jesus is so complete in his victory, he has even turned our dying from a cruel pharaoh into a freeing Moses, from a cruel slave driver into an emancipator. Because now Jesus uses death to free us from the bondage and brick-making of this life. This is what one pastor, how one pastor said it. He said, Death frees a Christian from those diseases and corruptions and temptations that no duties, no graces, nor ordinances could ever do. Every prayer then, when we die, shall have its answer. All hungering and thirsting shall be filled and satisfied. Every sigh, every groan, every tear that has fallen from the saints, I shall then be recompensed because we will be with Jesus and one day we will rise and we will rise new. We will rise with bodies that are painless, that are powerful, that are glorious. Yes, this is most certainly true. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where is your sting? Now, oh. What now, you victorious saints? What now, you mighty vi people of God full of vitality and life? You're victorious in Jesus, and thanks be to him. Well, this is what now. I want you to look at your feet. <laughs> this is what life in the victory of Jesus looks like. This is what life looks like when the jaws of victory have swallowed death. Having those feet planted firmly on the gospel that has been preached to you and that you have received, that Christ Jesus died according to the scriptures, that he was buried that on the third day he was raised to life according to the scriptures. Let nothing move you from that truth. And then let those feet not stop moving. Let them get up and dance in the love and in the life of the Lord Jesus. And let them continue moving forward in life and in ministry and upward on a rising track in holiness of living. This is one way in which we live. We die to sin every single day. We die to the world every single day. We die even to our own righteousness. Find your righteousness and your life in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
consume yourselves with the message of the gospel that you hear here every single Sunday. Never stop praying for one another. Hold each other up. And never become weary in doing good. And now in this time of transition here in our church, we have a wonderful opportunity to put these feet and these hands and these minds and these bodies into practice as we gather together around Pastor Tim and the leaders of our church and everyone here to ensure that Sure Foundation Lutheran Church continues victorious and rising in this city and that the light of life shines brightest from here. Christ is risen. Hallelujah.